0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com If anybody wants um, you know? Đấy. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> <coughs> Is that? Oh. You know yeah. uh, Staple one? Staple one? I don't think so. Um yeah, I do. I do, I have a couple more. I also have it in English, if you want to. Use one. Mm-hmm. Good evening, everyone. <coughs> Thank you so much uh, for allowing me the opportunity to share with you Some thoughts about Parshas Vayechi, and the conclusion of Sefer Bereshis. Many have asked, uh, louder, many have asked, so what are you doing here in uh, Florida? Why do you come down south? So everybody knows that it's the practice and custom of all Jews constantly to move southward. We know that in the Chumash Avraham Avinu, he never goes north. There is now one Pesach in the Chumash that says, He's always, He also never goes east. He never goes west. Throughout the Chumash, Avram Avinu is constantly moving south. Amazingly, even when he's leaving Egypt and coming back to Eretz Yisrael, it says, Avram, But he's not going south, he's going north. So Rashi says, he's going to the south of Eretz Yisrael, even though technically it's north of Mitzrayim. So Jews like to head southward. I yadrim." If you want to become wise, you move to the south. You always have to follow the ways of Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. It's interesting, you know, in Vayechi, we have this special bracha. When you bless your children, you don't say you should be. Yisimcha lekim ki Yehuda, ki Yosef. Yisim HaLekim Ke'Aphraim Who exactly is Ephraim V'Menashe? Why do we want our children to be, like, specifically Ephraim V'Menashe? Probably today, the greatest marbets B'Tztoira, or certainly up there, Rav Asher Arieli gives the largest share in the world. His brother, though, Rav Arieli wrote an incredible Sefer. He wrote, actually he wrote an in-depth commentary on many, many volumes of Rav Kiva Eger. But he also wrote Sfarim on and various other subjects. And he addresses this question, Why do we bless our children? Yesimcha like him, Why specifically like Ephraim Emanasha? So he says that the Tanad bel encourages every Jew to, so to speak, ask of themselves, to challenge themselves. Yesimcha like Person's obligated to say, masai la masai Avram The person is obligated to say to themselves, hey, me, Rabbi When will my actions reach the actions of Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov?" In other words, we have to always ask: Are we heading closer to the path of our avoyi sakidoshim? Are we getting closer to Avram Yitzchak and Yaakov? That is everybody's mission. That is everybody's challenge. And certainly, that's what we want from our children that they should reach, they should be Magia, they should come close to Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. Now who in history actually took an extra step and was far from Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov and got closer to Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov? Nobody represents that more than Menashe and Ephraim. They were grandchildren of Yaakov and Yaakov says, no, Ephraim, Umenasheh, keruven v'shemonyioli. So they were in fact grandchildren, but they were then reckoned and deemed to be children. So they are the quintessential example of someone who is, that they reached the level of, they came close to Yaakov. So therefore it is every parent's desire to bless their children, they should be like Ephraim and Umanasha. I want to examine 28 psukim this week's parsha. I remember when I was in 3rd uh, grade, I don't know if I could have translated too many psukim in the Chumash, but we were given the job to memorize what they called Berchas Yaakov. Is that how we know it as? Berchas Yaakov, the blessing of Yaakov. Now who decided that these 28 Pesukim are blessings? Where does it say that? Does it say that in Bavli Yushalmi? You no. Know. Does it, does anybody officially label these 28 psukh in Birchas Yaakov? Not, it's not that clear. <laughs> the closest I've seen is that in Hilchas Birchas Hamazain, the laws of benching, the Machaber discusses a case where there are three people sitting around the table, Avraham, Yitzchak, and the Machaber has a whole complicated, complex case where the Machaber says it will come out that Yitzchak will get the Birchas Yaakov. But that's as close as we have to any official label that these 28 Pesukim are called Brachas Yaakov. And we would like to examine this evening what exactly are these 28 Pesukim. We know Yaakov is laying on his deathbed. He's surrounded by his 12 children. We know Chazal say Yaakov was getting a little nervous. He wanted to tell them when Mashiach was coming. And he lost it. Nistimu Enov. Yaakovinu wanted to be Megala the Cates, and it, it sort of eluded him. It it, uh, it slipped his mind, so to speak. But what exactly is he telling his children? Some children clearly got a blessing. Yehuda was blessed. Yehuda was blessed. You should have military prowess. You should be powerful. Other um, children were blessed as well. Asher was given a very fertile land. God was uh, told that he would be a powerful warrior. So certainly, many of the brothers were given blessings. On the other hand, many of the brothers were heavily criticized. Ruvein does not seem to get any bracha. Ruvein starts off. Ruvain, you are destined for greatness. You're my firstborn. Koichi, you're my first strength. You're my vigor. sir, says, you should have had extra honor, extra prestige. But you know, you're impetuous. You can't wait. You have no patience. Pachas Kama, al ki alisa So Reuven is criticized. Reuven is basically told that you could have been great and you blew it. Now is that a blessing? That's not a blessing. There's no blessing there. <laughs> Nothing was promised to Reuven. No complimentary comments were given to Reuven. So what exactly are these 28 psukim? Are they blessing? Are they criticism? Reuven got criticism. Shimon and Levi, they weren't blessed. Yaakovinu said, you guys have a terrible, uh, you, you need anger man- management. You wiped out a city, you never asked me. Shimon and Levi, you're terrorists. terrorist. Hamas, You could join uh, our cousins there in the Middle East, but Kle uh, Hamas, So Rubin didn't get any compliments, he didn't get any blessings. Shimon and Levi didn't get any blessings. So what exactly are these, quote-unquote, Berchas Yaakov? Yudah got a blessing. So the Abarbanel has what is, to my mind, the only approach in this week's Parsha from all the mafarshim that gives one thematic approach toward the entire narrative to try to sum up is there any thematic way to understand what Yaakov Avinu is giving over to his children. In other words, yes, Yehuda got blessing. Asher got blessing. But Reuben got criticism. Shimon and Levi got it Iber and cup. They got it over the head. If you're going to say it's criticism, Yehuda wasn't criticized. So Yehuda was blessed. Reuben and Shimon were... Criticized. Maybe, says Abarbanel, what Yaakovino is doing is he's giving prophetic information over to his children. He's letting them know, you know, what's in store for you in the future? What's going to be in, in your future history? And Yaakovino looks into the future. He says, Binyamin, Ze'ev Yitroif, Shal Hamelech will come from you. You're going to have a lot of spoils from victory and war. But again, Abarbanel says, that's Benjamin. Maybe that's done. Don, Yaakovinu, predicts the victories of Shimshon Agibar. So Don gets prophetic information, and Benyamin gets prophetic information, not Ruvain, not Shimon, not Yehuda. Well, maybe, says that Barbanel, what's taking place is Yaakov Avinu is geographically locating his descendants and children to various parts of Eretz Yisrael. Like, everybody needs their father to give them real estate advice. You know, where you should move, where is the best community, what kind of house you should buy, should you buy, should you rent. That's what you need a father for. So interestingly, Zavulan, Yaakovinu says, Zavulan, you can live by the seacoast, you go to Miami, you go by the water. But says that Barbenel, there seems to be something uh, missing over here in these 28 psukim. Some brothers are blessed. Some brothers are criticized. Some brothers are given real estate advice. And some brothers are just told about their future. So, while some of Farshim learn, like Rashi, that these are brachos, that the Ibn Ezra disagrees because Ibn Ezra says many of the brothers didn't receive any blessing at all. While some Mepharshim like the Ezra learn that the B'Rechus Yaakov is merely prophetic information of what's in store for the future of Yaakov's descendants, that is certainly not the case in the vast majority of the brothers. And therefore the Abarbanel says that any one of the four approaches that you're going to offer to try to explain a thematic approach to the B'Rechus Yaakov falls short of one thematic way to explain what these 28 Sukkim are trying to accomplish. And then the Barbanel asks uh, a whole slew of other, more detailed questions on particular areas of the Baruch HaS1. For example, shevet Which is presumed to mean, we're all familiar with the Ramban, especially I see a very high concentration of Chafetz Chaim people. And this is a big uh, Ramban, that the Ramban offers that Yaakov Vinu in his ethical, in his will, he tells uh, all 12 tribes, hey listen up, I want kings to always come from Yehuda. And we all know the famous comments of the Ramban, the Ramban says that that's the reason why the Hashmanom were punished so severely, because they usurped the melucha, and they appointed kings from the Kohanim. By the way, you know, the Ramban's pshad in La Yasser Shem Yehuda is almost a das yachid. Kemat, almost, none of the Rishonim agree with the Ramban. Most Rishonim hold that the Chashmuram did absolutely nothing wrong in taking the Malucha, As we're going to see, the Abar Benel disagrees with him. The Ran asks about a dozen questions on the Ramban, and rejects the Ramban. And that Barbanel says, What do you mean, Lo Shev Yehuda? In fact, for the vast majority of Jewish history, we didn't have kings from Yehuda. Who was the first king? Shalamelech, he's from Yehuda. After David reigned, and then Shlomo, then Yerov Benavat split the Melucha. So what's this big prophecy, Lo Shev Yehuda? And what about today? Lo Shev Yehuda? We hardly even had kings in Jewish history in the first place. And then one of the biggest pellas, one of the biggest wonders that uh, the Abarbanel asks is, let's talk about Dun. I once had the privilege, I was uh, near Ramat Chemesh, and a friend of mine said, well, let's go for a little adventure, and uh, we can go to the Kever of Dun. Okay, I, don't know, I don't know if Dun is one of the, you know, hot spot Kvarim in, in Eretz Israel. But I said, sure, I'm always in for an adventure. So... Uh, he took us, my friend Zev Teberg, he took us around this mountain. There's a quarry, and we were literally driving in uh, like uh, holes and pits until we came to the Kever of Don. And there, were, there was like a chicken coop there. It was quite an quite a interesting scene at the Kever of Don. And by the bracha of Don, interestingly, it says, He done, Nacha and how does Don's comments end? Lishu Ascha, Kivisi Hashem. So Yaakov says, For your salvation, God says, I yearn. Yaakov says, I yearn. I yearn for your salvation. Now what does that have to do with anything? Either Yaakov is giving Dana a bracha, or he's telling him prophecy. Why would he end? He's saying, now. Yaakov Avinu, in the middle of the Berchus Yaakov, he's, uh, he's saying, What's going on? What does that have to do with anything? So Abarbanel says, that none of the Mepharsham have offered one thematic explanation for what Yaakov Avinu is doing in his final moments in this world. To which Abarbanel offers an amazing approach. It's an approach that will give us better context, really, for the entirety of Sefer Beratius, and really for the role of certain segments of Kali in general. And to me, this is something which is most appropriate of uh, something that Abarbanel himself stands for. That Abarbanel writes... That Yaakov Avinu in his final moments in this world, he sees 12 children, and he sees with prophecy that these 12 children will ultimately be 70, and then thousands, and then 600,000 people. And Yaakov Avinu knows that for Klai Yisrael to have continuity, for Klai Yisrael to have a future, for the Jewish people to have a Shalsheles, what they need more than anything else, Yaakov Avinu recognizes, is they need Melech. They need a king. Without Malchus, the institution known as Klal Yisrael, doesn't have a fighting chance to exist throughout the centuries. So Yaakov Avino, on his deathbed, says that Benel, is not criticizing anybody, is not blessing anybody. Says Abar Benel, at the end of the Birchus Yaakov, quote-unquote, Yaakov gives everyone a bracha. But that's not the Birchus Yaakov. Says Abarbanel, more important than criticism and blessing and prophecy and real estate advice is Yaakov Avinu needs to set up Klal Yisrael for the future. Namely, we cannot be a people without a leader. And one by one, Yaakov Avinu is systematically going through his children and explaining what ingredients and what characteristics. And what elements they either have or don't have that would render them either qualified or unqualified to be melech. There's no blessing here. There's no criticism here. There's no musr here. It's merely that everyone needs to understand who will be the leader of Klal Yisrael from the time that Yaakov dies until Mashiach comes. So Yaakov starts with his firstborn. He says, Ruvein, says, Ruvain, you were destined for greatness. Koichi v'reish hasayni. You were my firstborn. You had my vitality, you had my vigor. Yeser se'ez v'yeseraz. You should have been the leader of the Jewish people. But the problem is, and I'm not criticizing you, and maybe this is your personality, and maybe you needed to act this way, and maybe you'll be rewarded for acting this way. But your characteristic is, you are impetuous. You act immediately, without deliberation. And we need, I need a kid like that. And Kal needs people who when they sense something is wrong, we need that guy to stand up and to shout and to say something and to assert and insert themselves. But that's not how a king behaves. Melech b'mishpat yamod eretz. A king has to be deliberate. A king has to be thoughtful. A king has to be conscientious. And Ruben, you don't have that personality trait. And I'm not criticizing you. And perhaps you did the right thing when I moved my bed into Billah's tent. Maybe you did the right thing by moving it into Leah's tent. I didn't say I'm not punishing you. It doesn't say anywhere that, according to Barbanella at least, that Ruben was punished. This is just a matter of fact. Ruben, you don't have the personality which is necessary to be the leader of Kal Yisrael. Shimon and Levi? You're great guys, but you have a temper. So, so get a job as a Rebbe in Yeshiva, that Barbanel says. You know, Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetz, sorry, rabbi Yaakov, <laughs> rabbi Yaakov writes that you need fiery people to teach Torah to the next generation. Shimon and Levi, they were passionate, they were fiery, they were not tolerant and you need people who are, have a certain degree of zealotry or zealousness or alacrity to be able to give over the Masorat HaKali not in a, well, by the way, I, you know, you have to give it with energy, with passion. But you can't be the king. King has to be deliberate. King has to be thorough. King has to have an element of tolerance. Melech b'mishpat, ya These are not the characteristics, says Rabbi Yaakov Kamenetsky. That are necessary to be the king of Yisrael. Rashi says, they'll be Malam de Tinoikos, they'll be Rabbeim. They'll give over the tradition, but they can't be the unanimous leader of the Jewish people. And then Yaakovino comes to Yehuda, and he says, Yehuda, listen up, Yehuda, you have what it takes. Says Abarbanel, there are four main characteristics that are necessary to be the leader of Kli so. Number one, Yehuda, the Malchus of Kli So, leadership of Kli so. And we're going to see that doesn't mean being the Melech; it means being the leader, the Gadol Israel. This is not a Memshala. This is not a uh, dictatorship. It's Melech. The Melech is reigns with the consent of the people. So therefore, Yehuda, Yehudah, your brothers acknowledge your superiority. Now in general, even though usually if somebody has something that others don't have, that could breed jealousy. And as much as when somebody has more than others, that breeds jealousy... But among brothers, that's the most intense jealousy because brothers naturally think that, look, we come from the same father, we come from the same mother, we have the same uh, genetic code, we should be equal in life. And if one brother has more than the other, it breeds a natural jealousy. And yet, Yehuda, whenever something of significant importance came up with the brothers, the brothers always said, uh, What does Yehuda say? Yehuda said, Mabetzah. Yehuda turned to, to Yosef and Sveigash, I love Yehuda. The brothers weren't jealous of you, Yehuda. You commanded the authority and the respect of your brothers, and therefore, in that sense, you have what it takes to be the Melech. The other factor is to be the king of Kal Yisrael. You need military prowess. You need powerful military leadership. You have that, Yehuda. Your hand is at the nape of your enemy. You're a powerful leader. You're you're exemplary in mil- military warfare. You have what it takes to be the king of Klal Yisrael, Gur Arya Yehuda. You're a young lion cub. You're gentle. You're not a terrorist. Klei chamas You're not impetuous. You're not angry. You're gentle. You're calm. You calmly obliterate. The enemy. That is what a king does. You're like a gentle cub. But, you have the stability, you have the endurance of a mature lion, and at this point in time, Yaakov Avinu is officially designating Yehuda as the Melech, unless he could find someone else among his children that could meet the bill. Yehuda is not being praised, Yehuda is not being told prophetic information, Yehuda is not being complimented. Yehuda is just being declared the Melech of Kaiso. In fact, interestingly, Rabbi Zalman Sarotskin writes already in Parshas, Vayigash. Yaakovinu needs someone to establish the yeshiva. So it's a, it's a pella. Who does he send to establish the yeshiva? The Gemara says that poiskim will only come from either Shevet Levi, or shevet Yisachar, shevet Levi, Yehudah, Meshvatachal Yaakov. The says in Yuma, shevet Yisachar may Yisachar yoy de la'itim. So you would have expected if Yaakovina is establishing a yeshiva, which Chazal say shemimenu yetsay ha'iral li Yisrael, he would have appointed either Levi or Yisachar. No, Yaakov sends Yehuda. Ask the Marsha, what do you mean? Yehuda's not a Paisak. The Gemara and Yuma even asks, what about from Yehuda? And the Gemara says, No, Yehuda Paiskim don't come from. Says the Marsha, Melech Shani. A king has the Siat the Shmaya to establish the Halacha Kamoisai, and therefore Yaakov sent Yehuda to establish the Yeshiva to declare him as Melech. Okay, let's move on to some of the other brothers and then try to explain. Why it was so critical at this juncture in history for Yaakov to appoint a melech? Now says the but we asked, what do you mean Lo Yosher Shevet Yehuda? It's not true. Yerovam Benavat was the melech. Shaul was the melech. And for the last fifteen hundred years, which who was the melech in Klal Yisrael that came from Shevet Yehuda? Says the in, in great deference to the Ramban. La Yasur Shevet Mi Yehuda does not mean the king of the Jewish people has to come from Shevet Yehuda. There's no such law, practice, expectation. It's not even better for the king of Calaiso to come from Yehuda. It doesn't say La Yasur Malchus Mihuda. La Yasur Shevet Mi says Abar Benel, La Yasur Shevet Mi means Yaakov Avinu wants the G'dayle Yisrael to come from Shevet Yehuda. Cesar Barbanel, from the time that Yaakov said these words, until my time, 1492, the vast majority of the Torah leadership of the Jewish people always came from Shevet Yehuda. By the way, you could do a study. Kemat, all the G'dayle Yisrael came from Dabra Nehamelech. Whether it was Rashi, whether it was the Rambam, um, whether it was the Rambam, whether it was the Maral, they're all Rabbi Yehudah. They all came from Shev Yehuda. In fact, today, more than 80% of Gedali saw it come from Sheva Yehuda, And that's because more than 80% of Ashkenazic Jews come from the <laughs> But even today, it's interesting. There's a book called The Luria Code, which traces back almost all Ashkenazic Jews alive today, back to, uh, back to David, that's because almost all of Kali Yisrael comes from Rashi. Because, uh, interesting, I, in, in the uh, 11th century, how many Ashkenazic Jews do you think there were? There are only 10,000 Ashkenazic Jews in the world. Only a thousand years ago. And Rashi had five daughters. So almost everyone today could trace back to Rashi. But that Barbanel says... Until his time. He actually learns a pasuk in uh, Chumash. He says, that uh, a pasuk in the Nevi'im, that when Nebuchadnezzar, excuse me, when the Romans exiled the Jews from, when Nebuchadnezzar exiled the Jews from Bavel, ultimately the Jews that went to Spain, who the babernel writes, Produced almost all the future Gedoyle Yisrael came specifically from the family of David HaMalch, and it's an explicit posse in the Nevi'im. The Barbanel says, and even in my time, you look around, almost all the Gedoyle Yisrael come from Shevet Yehuda. Now, what's most interesting is that throughout the writings of the Barbanel, he always says about himself that he's a Choyter Migazayishai. The Barbanel himself was a Ben Achar Ben, going back to David HaMalch. So, this is certainly an idea and approach which is fitting of the Abbarbanel. So, Abarbanel moves on. He says, throughout the Chumash, Yehuda was the one who said, Ma' Yehuda said, uh, We can't sell Yosef. We don't want to sell him. Uh, it's not, we can't kill him, excuse me. When they needed somebody to deal with Yosef and Mitzrayim, Vayigashelov Yehuda. Who was the Degel that traveled first? Yehuda. Which Shevet went to, went to war first? Yehuda Yale. When they counted Klai Yisrael, who was counted first? Yehuda was counted first. When they distributed land in Eretz Israel, Yehuda got the first Chelek. When Klai Yisrael is counted in the Vim and Ksuvim, Yisrael is counted, and then Yehuda counted separately. Says Benel, after the korban, the Rish Galusa, always from Yehuda. The Nasi, always from Yehuda. So th- throughout the Tanakh, throughout the Mishnah, throughout the Gemara, says Abarbanel, until my time, nearly every God of Yisrael came from Shevet Yehuda. The Rosh Sanhedrin, says Abarbanel, came from Shevet Yehuda. The Nasi, the Reish Galusa, and the Rosh Sanhedrin. Lo Yasir I, in the times of the Hashemah, they usurped the Malucha, says Abarbanel so what doesn't say anywhere they can't be the kings even when they became the king the leader of the Jewish people in Yerushalayim was a nugget was a prince from Yehuda so you'll ask uh, but what about the Ramban's kasha the Chashmah met such a a drastic and and terrible end they were all wiped out weren't they? so it's interesting Rabbi Sadiq HaKoyim says no where does it say that the Chashmah were wiped out? where does Ramban get that from? Oh, but the Gemara says in Baba Basra, then anybody who says they come from the Chashmanoim is, a li- is uh, not telling the truth. Yeah, it says Reb Tzalek the Chashmanoim were never punished. There are millions of descendants of the Chashmanoim anywhere. But because they were wanted, they, nobody would say that they're from the Chashmanoim. So if anybody says they're from the Chashmanoim, they're lying. But says Reb uh, Tzalek probably most Koyanim today come from the Chashmanoim. And the Rabban's whole uh, premise, the Reptilica Koyin, uh, disagrees with, and so do, interestingly, most of the Rishonim. Let's see some of the other um, Shvatim. We move on. Says Abarbanel, what about Asher? Asher. Asher is a great guy, he's a terrific guy. May Asher is a great baker. He makes great cakes, great cookies. He's wearing that nice white baker's cap, but he's not going to put on a crown. I mean, he makes madane melech, the delicacies of the king, but he's not a king. He could serve the king, but he's not a king. Naftali ayola shlucha he's a swift dispatcher. He could run, he could carry messages, royal messages. He's a proper speaker and he could speak on behalf of the king and he could dispatch messages on behalf of the king, but he's not royalty. He's of service to royalty. Dunn. Dunn's a powerful guy. Dunn has great military prowess. Here's the problem with Dunn. Dunn's like a snake. What does that mean he's like a snake? A powerful king says, listen enemy, I'm going to meet you on this mountain at this time on this and this date and I'm going to obliterate you. I'm not going to sneak up on you. I'm not going to ambush you. I am going to attack you. I'm going to let you know when I'm coming and that will be the end of you. But imagine if the king would have to sneak behind the enemy. That's like, uh, that's terrorist warfare. Kings don't do that. That's a lack of honor and prestige of the king. So Dunn's manner of battle. And the way he goes about his military warfare is not befitting of Malchus. You know what kind of salvation we're hoping for, says Yaakov? That's not the type of salvation that the Yisrael offers to Kalal Yisrael. We're used to Kalal Yisrael leaving Mitzrayim in broad daylight, and Chal leaves in the middle of the day and there's nothing the nations of the world could do to stop us. But the kind of warfare that Don is occupied in, that's not royal warfare. But what we're hoping for is Lishu Ascha Kivisi Hashem. And Yaakov goes through Binyamin. And he says, Binyamin, here's the thing. The day you'll have a great day and Shaul HaMelech will be a mighty uh, a warrior. But he's interested in the spoils. He wants the shalal. And it's not really befitting of a king to fight a war and then to chaparin the gold and the silver of the war. That's not how a king fights a war. Zvulan, You're a great guy. But you're a businessman. Imagine if somebody came into the king's palace and he's talking to the king and the king goes you know here, you want to buy a watch? you know a king has to have a certain bearing king has to have a certain um, aura of prestige and power and it's not befitting of a melech to be engaged in small business and what about Yosef Sadek? why can't Yosef be the king? Yaakovina says Yosef you're a charming guy Bein Pairas Yosef, Be'en Paras Alei Ayin, Be'kitzer, to sum it up, Yosef, you have all the qualities. But there's one thing you didn't have that Yehuda has. When it comes to Yehuda, Atayoducha Achacha, the Dachsam Soifer says, What's the greatness of Shevet Yehuda? All the wonderful things that David and Shlomo composed. So and HaMelech composed Tehillim. How many sages were involved in the composition of Tehillim? Ten, the Gemara says in Baba Basra. Yehuda ata yoiducha. You're going to thank Hashem through Tehillim. Or, some cipher says, Yudcha. The ten sages that participated in Tehillim. What else did the descendants of David produce? Shir Hashirim. Ad Shilai. Shilai, Rashi Tevais. Shir Hashirim. What else did Shlomo produce? heles Veloi Yikahas. Says Chsam is a remiss to Koheles. And what about Mishle? Says Chsam Loy, Yasur, Shevet, Mehuda, Rashi Tevois, Mishle. So all the wonderful contributions of David Amelch, they're all alluded to in Ateyiduch Achecha. Says Chsam David and Shloimeh gave us such sweet waters. Venachal Adonecha Sashgem. Sashgem is Tehillim, Shirah Shirim, Koheles, Mishle. Venachal Adonecha Sashgem. So Yehuda, here's the difference between Yehuda and Yosef. Yehuda, you are powerful and all the brothers acknowledge your superiority. Yosef, on the other hand, you elicit the jealousy of the brothers. That is the key difference between Yosef and Yehuda. Yosef, you know I love you. Maybe I even love you more. Here's the Kistoinus pasim. Aber, but you can't be the Melech Yisrael. You're not the man for the job. And in the last moments of the life of Yaakov Avino, Yaakov appoints Yehuda forever as the leaders of Kal Yisrael. Now, you'll ask, why is this so critical? The Shla Kadash has a very lengthy exposition on Sefer Bereshis, where he basically writes that the reason why, you know, the brothers sell Yosef. You know, what are they doing selling Yosef? Are they kidding me? <laughs> they, and Chazal say, not only did they sell him, they told God, God, we're going to twist your arm, you cannot reveal that we sold Yosef. How exactly did they force God not to reveal that they sold Yosef? What were they thinking? And by the way, the Medrash says, that when Yosef revealed himself to his brothers, Yehuda was about to kill Yosef. Well, wait a second. But I thought they regretted selling him. That's because they didn't realize he wanted to become the king. But the matter says, now that they see he's the king, they have to kill him. So what's going on? Says the Shalakadosh, this is the Yisoyed of Sefer Barathees. And the Yisoyed of Barathees is before we could go down to Mitzrayim, you know, as Yosef is being sold down to Mitzrayim, Yosef's on the way down to Mitzrayim, and the Pasuk is about to say, he went down to Mitzrayim, the Khumer says, we have to uh, interrupt the regularly scheduled Kriya HaTorah to tell you a little story about a, a guy by the name of Yehuda, and he meets up with Tamar, and he has two kids, Peretz and Zarach, oh, Yosef goes down to Mitzrayim, well, why do we need a commercial for Yehuda and Tamar, in the middle of the story of Yosef going down to Mitzrayim? And the Shalakotr says, because the whole purpose of Yosef going down to Mitzrayim was the job of Yosef in Jewish history is to galvanize, consolidate, unite the Jewish people, so that we could be a nation, and then Yehuda comes in and is the Melech. And the brothers thought that Yosef wanted to take it a little bit too far, and that he was going to be the Melech himself. And the, there's a halacha that anyone who tries to usurp, Malchus, space, David... It's like your Moired in the Malchus of HaKadosh Baruch Because David HaMelech's sovereignty represents Malchus shamayin. After all, the Kisei HaKovit, the Shloss says, has four legs. Avram Yitzchak Yaakov and David. David is the fourth leg of the Kisei HaKovit. It keeps the Kisei HaKovit standing. It reflects, it projects God's sovereignty. That is why when Yehuda was born, the Pasik says, "Vata,amoid Moid Well, Lushon of Amida. It gave Amida to God's throne. Yehuda, David projects malchus Anyone who tampers with that, anyone who touches that, is rebelling against the Almighty Himself, and therefore the brothers paskin. Yosef has dreams of grandeur. He wants to be the melech. He is rebelling against God Himself. We have to kill him, and that's how they even were able to join God in the chayreim, not to reveal what they're doing to Yosef, and maybe they were right. The Shloss says they could have been right, and they were, perhaps. But Yosef never had that in mind. Yosef merely was going to do the job with what Yosef always does in Jewish history. He establishes the Jewish people, and then Yehuda is the Melech. When did he do that? First we have Mishkan Shiloh in the Heleka of Yosef, and then we move it to the Beis HaMikdash, which is uh, adjoining Shevet Yehuda. The entire purpose of Yosef going down to Mitzrayim is merely... To create a foundation for the Jewish people so that Yehuda could come and be the Melach. That's why, as Yosef was going down to Mitzrayim, the Rebanshim was letting us know, you know I am sending him down, turn to the other side of the screen. The other side of the screen is Yehuda produces Peretz and Zarach, which is the continuity of the Malchus based David, and that's why Yosef's going down to Mitzrayim. Okay, now back to Yosef. But as soon as Yosef gets there and solidifies the Jewish people, Yehuda has to take over immediately. And that is why, in fact, Sefer Baratius concludes that now that Yosef is here and he has, so to speak, brought us all together. By the way, the base Yosef writes in Archaim that when was the following bracha legislated in Kal Yisrael? Baruch Hashem. Mechabitz, Nidchei, Amoy, Yisrael when all 70 Jews stood together in front of Yosef? Yosef said, I did my job. Yaakov says, you're done, Yosef. Now we move to Yehuda, And that is the conclusion of Bereshit. Con- conc- the conclusion of Bereshit is, Yosef did what he had to do. He established himself as a ruler. Now the brothers, when they see Yosef as Melech, they get nervous. They say maybe he really does want to be the king. And that's why they wanted to kill him, even after the whole story. But Sefer Bereshit is the setup of the leadership and the Hanhagah of the Jewish people from the beginning of time until the great day of Mashiach. That is why the Ramban writes Sefer of a the Sefer Yetzirah. It's the book of creation of the entirety of world history. Until today, God has prepared and groomed gedolim leaders, for, for Kal Yisrael already in Mitzrayim. That is the book of creation, the book of Barathees. So, a few things to think about. Thank you for your kind attention. I wish everybody bracha vatslacha and a wonderful evening. Thank you so much.